0: This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like
2: she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Thomas St. Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening.
0: Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. They were O'Driscoll, Corgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, off it! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Will, how are things? I'm doing well. It's kind of a, a remote podcast. We're, we're not technically doing a kind of a live show on the road, but we're both outside the county, so it, it kind of qualifies as some sort of, I suppose, unique episode.
2: Yeah, although I suppose, given the medium... It doesn't really matter.
0: <laughs> no, no, you could, you
2: could, you could say that. But yeah, no, yeah. um, great to be, I suppose, have, have the opportunity to get out of Dublin for a few days. I'm down in a place called Renine, just outside Waterville. So um loving that that's been that's been great you're in west cork somewhere
0: yeah i'm in Courtmark sherry in west cork so if my wi-fi is absolutely atrocious you can blame the, the locals or blame the government for not installing good wi-fi down here but hopefully uh it, it holds up uh but we have a great guest this week delighted to be joined by josh van der veer leinster and Ireland flanker josh how are you Good,
1: good. Thanks. Yeah, doing well. Glad to be on.
0: No, great to have you on. It's a. It's, uh, was a funny time for for you and, and some of your teammates. This was this time of year. Traditionally, you'd be maybe ramping up to some big end of season games, but between the new format of the league and obviously the defeat de at Rochelle, you kind of I suppose have had a few a bit of downtime. Probably the first bit of downtime you guys have had since it all kind of resumed back in August. Like, how have you found the last few weeks?
1: Yeah, it's been uh, it's been very strange. Um, Obviously, even looking at the schedule um coming into the, the European Cup, the semi-final against La Rochelle. Um, and obviously we had the cancelled uh with the quarterfinal and the cancel the cancelled game against Toulon as well. So um, it was pretty packed, packed schedule, and then Toulon game got cancelled then. So um, and then we weren't sure then with the Rainbow Cup fixtures what they'd end up looking like or or when they'd be. When they'd be played so yeah it's been very strange um but ended up as you said with a with a week off um week before last which was yeah very very strange this time of the season because as you said you're used to to everything builds up and then it's only big games from now whereas we've had a week off um training week last week and we're into the to another rainbow cup fixture this week so uh, very strange for this time of season, but I suppose that's the, the nature of the world at the moment, I guess.
0: Yeah, and how have you found this season generally compared to other years? Because obviously, you know, year in, year out, Leinster and Ireland have been competing in big games and big prizes, but obviously the, the changed nature of, of society. Like, Have you found it massively different to an ordinary season where you're competing for the big honours and, and in a lot of big games, or, or has it been broadly similar?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean you still you still have the same focus um we're still fortunate enough to get to to play most of the games, which has been great um i suppose uh, missing the fans definitely it's not you don't quite get the same the same buzz about things without the fans there but i mean within the within the 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 bubble i suppose in leinster and in ireland camps you still have that same level, level of motivation you still have the have the games i suppose the one thing that's that's changed a lot is the uncertainty around things um just around whether things will go ahead whether we can go away we have to quarantine we come back um and then obviously the way the rainbow cup uh, worked out at the pro 14 season was shortened. it just kind of made everything a lot of uncertainty and um made a bit of a bit of a messy season i suppose looking back a lot of chopping and changing but I suppose it, it has been great to to get to play to play the games, um, and obviously I suppose overall with the with the Europe with the way of losing to La Rochelle that probably puts a bit of a, a dampener on the on the season. That was quite disappointing, but um, yeah, it's been a very strange season. But but again, good to be good to have got to play at least get get some games under the belt. And Josh, can I ask you
2: about that one? Obviously, it it'll, it'll have hurt a bit. It's probably still hurting, as you said. I mean, what was the kind of fallout after that? I mean, what's what I suppose maybe I'm trying to even from my own perspective, trying to get a sense of what things are like there now. What's it like after a big loss in there? Um, now is it very much constructive? Was it in on Monday, kind of saying, Look, obviously, you we're disappointed, but where, where are we looking to improve? Or was it kind of very much, was there a few people keeping their heads low in the meeting with uh, you know, a few, few shots fired over the bow?
1: Um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was, uh, everyone's very. Like it's obviously incredibly competitive at the moment, and we've we've been doing uh, quite well. And I think w- what was said after the game was, uh, or the, the kind of review on the the Monday or Tuesday morning, whatever it was after the game, was like, "Listen, we're not we're not here to to call people out or try and bring people down, but we're just going to have an honest conversation about what what we felt went wrong." Um, I think one of the biggest things we talked from it was. I suppose the small margins in those games. Um, I mean, you can make the comparison to to other games um, against other oppositions, and you can afford to make a few mistakes or maybe leak. I think what was it? Maybe nine points we gave away in in maybe silly enough penalties uh, or need needless penalties or clumsy maybe. I suppose Exeter uh,
2: probably stands out as well, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you. You can like we we played very well next year, managed to pull that game back um, after after the start the start we had. But I suppose in those really tight games, I mean you know yourself, Luke. Obviously in those really tight games, same in international level, it's such small margins, and we were probably on the wrong side of it um, in La Rochelle. So that was one of the biggest things. And then there's obviously the, the the small tweaks here and there where we could have done things better, but that was probably the the biggest learning we had was the small margins and how um, you, we probably need to uh, hold ourselves to those to those standards all year round because eventually you're going to come across a team or have a game where it's just going to come down to one or two tiny things. And, and that's all it is at, at that level, especially that stage in the competition.
2: And can I ask you, did you have a close look at, because I mean, this is something that obviously you are so good, always have been so good at, but just the defensive line speed, um, for me, when I looked at, the, at uh, look back at the game, was there much discussion on that? Because I think if I look back at the game, and we've discussed it a bit in the show, myself and Will, I mean, look, I didn't think Lencer, I didn't think we had we had one of our good days anyway, Josh. But I felt that maybe defensively, that that was probably the turning point. We really couldn't stop their big guys because we were just off, like as you say, small margins in terms of our line speed, and it's probably, it got like probably shown up even more so against a couple of guys like Skelton or whoever who looks like a hero on the day because he's so hard to stop if the collisions happen closer to the game line. Did you have much discussions about the kind of, the the line speed and, sorry, was that one of the topics that you discussed even?
1: Um, I think, well, defence in general, yeah, we definitely discussed after, even leading into the game and we said, that you can see, obviously on their Larochelle team sheet, there's some Some, uh, (laughs) and if they're not big, they're definitely very quick or good at stepping or something anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, we talked about it before, um, about getting those first up tackles. And I think that was one of the things we didn't, uh, maybe individually, we could have done a bit better. Um, it probably fell off a few tackles. And then, um, as you said, the, I think the line speed could have been, could have been a bit better. Um, but then it can also, like you miss one, uh, you lose the game line first phase. You're kind of going backwards. It can be hard to get mm-hmm. to get off the line then as well. So, and in fairness to them, they they did play very well. But obviously, we were we were disappointed um, with how it turned out. But I think, I mean, moving on from that game, we have we've uh, we reviewed it quite well. We kind of took a lot of learnings from it. There's a lot of things. Um, that were maybe highlighted in that game that you don't really, you might not um, pick up on maybe in in a normal maybe Pro 14, Pro 14 game. So um, we've we've seemed to have benefited from that in that way. But um, it's, not, it's not much fun uh, gaining learnings from losing a game like that, I suppose. But um, yeah, we'll hopefully be better for it.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point you raised there, I suppose, maybe that you can maybe get away with certain things in a pro team match perhaps that you wouldn't get away with against a Champions Cup team in a semi, semi-final. Like, is, is it hard to kind of flick a switch when you go between a, a tournament like that where maybe you guys aren't playing that much in the tournament or the, you know, the opposition wouldn't be the standard of a La Rochelle? Is it hard then to hit the straps? Because it's funny, against Exeter, you might have thought, oh, it might be tough here, but the team played really well. And then against La Rochelle, then maybe they didn't hit the heights. Is it hard to kind of... Just, go from not to 60 very quickly like that?
1: Um, I think, I suppose, in terms of playing the Pro 14 and, and um, European games, I find them... like You'd have some games you play in Europe and you're like, there'll be harder Pro 14 games. Um, like, there they can definitely... Especially Interpro games can be incredibly tough. Um, but I think, I mean, we can... I suppose I'm sure we, everyone probably after a loss, you kind of can overanalyze and stuff, but we probably didn't turn up in, in a good few areas as well as we'd like to in the La Rochelle game. Um, I think we showed what we could do for 70, was it 65, 70 minutes of the extra game? And then we just didn't, we didn't bring that for whatever reason in uh, over in France. Um, but yeah, I mean, it can be difficult. It can be difficult going um going week to week is something something that makes can make professional rugby quite difficult that you need to or even rugby in general you can't it's not like uh well certainly being a forward anyway it's not like uh in football where you you can turn up and if you're playing soccer you probably turn up you can be nice and relaxed whatever in rugby I find you gotta get quite pumped up to go and hit people um and tackle hard and you gotta Mm -hmm. you gotta be willing to be physical which is which is can be a challenge week to week.
0: And for yourself, you know, is it frustrating? Obviously, like Leinster won the Heineken Cup in twenty eighteen. Unfortunately, you had that bad injury earlier that season, so you missed out on the final and get, you know getting to lift it on the pitch. Like, does it feel like there's a real kind of something missing in your in your CV? You've had so much success over the last five six years, but do you feel envious looking on at some of your other teammates who have that medal and you didn't get to experience it and try this so was trying it again next year?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. Uh I wouldn't feel bitter about it in any way or anything like that. I think it's more just incredibly like I felt I felt a part of the squad. I played the group games. I played all the group games uh, in that 2018 season. So, but then missed out on. It's, it's not quite the same. You'd rather do the other way around. If you played no games and only played the final, you'd probably feel a bit more reward for coming skip, off. The skip wheel. the
0: dirt tracking, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian O'Driscoll definitely missed all the pill stages one year and just came right back in for a card uh, of blue. No, uh, I Arnold. came
2: on this call, Josh, I thought you were a humble man, but uh, you, you just, you just want. to
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, Let the lads play
2: the group games.
0: <laughs> <yeah>.
1: <laughs> so I think there's something, this was the first I'd actually missed. Uh, my first ever final was two, was it two years ago in Glasgow, in Celtic Park. Um, that was my first professional final I'd missed the other i think there would be maybe two or three before that where I'd been injured for for the final um or that or those kind of, or those knockout games semi final final the pro 14 and um i mean it is special to get to to that stage of the competition and, and to be able to be on the pitch and maybe play a part in that um so yeah i suppose from that point of view um i'm very very hungry to to get back in that European position, and hopefully, and hopefully, can be there in a in a winning campaign. So um, that's definitely something that really drives me on. And from a personal point of view, like you, you, were in such good form,
0: kind of where you are in such good form. You know, the, the England game at the end of Six Nations, the Exeter game as well. You know, I think people were holding it up, probably or possibly, as one of your best performances as a professional player. Um, did you, you feel you got
2: robbed with the man of the match? Sam Warburton, <laughs> like one of your the, the back row community, <laughs> tapping them in the back, unbelievable. Henshaw was, <laughs> I, I think Henshaw might have even said it. Did he? He was saying, "I uh, can't," he couldn't believe he got it. But uh, no, Will's right, like unbelievable. Uh, you know, running running performances. Um, you know, how do you feel? What do you attribute that to?
1: Um, I suppose I've been, I've been. Uh working hard on on different areas of my game um always trying to improve uh different areas like i suppose um this year it says ball carrying has been something i've really tried to to focus on a lot um i'd always kind of got got a bit of ball carrying here and there but it's something i've been i've been working really hard on in terms of uh my approach to carrying um run onto the ball a bit more, try and be a bit more explosive. And it's uh seems to be to be working well and something I've been working on maybe since well the last couple of years anyway, but especially this season. And um yeah definitely find them able to get to this was uh definitely been able to get into the game more I guess. Um because sometimes I can find and I think it's the nature of of playing open side maybe you can find you're you're in the first rock normally off a line out or a scrum and then someone else carries around the corner and then you end up kind of behind the next lads and you end up hitting that rock, and you just end up you can go from ruck to ruck and all you're doing is uh trying to get a couple of turnovers in defense and making a few tackles but not really getting many carries so it's something that I've definitely tried to to add to the game and it's definitely helped me being more more involved in games anyway whether whether positive... Shawnee like, O'Brien or... never had that problem. He was never in a ruck all day.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was, asking, no, but was serious, is. No, I mean, is, is someone like him or is like, who do you go to to talk about that kind of part of the game and how you, I suppose, find ways, as you said, like, you know, it's probably not the greatest position for that unless they're building... Like, Shawnee would have been so destructive with the ball now that they're kind of building plays around him to make sure yeah. he's available. And of course, he did play a little bit of six as well, which does help. But how do you find ways of getting at the game? Is it a matter of being patient? And then when you get the opportunities, being more accurate. And who did you talk to about that? Or was it just a case of sitting down and thinking about your own game and watching the games back and saying, okay, that's somewhere where I could have been. Maybe I wasn't needed at that look.
1: I could have made myself available.
2: Is that the way you kind of evolve
1: that part of your game? Well, one thing would I'd always have done, um, and I'm trying to kind of, well, Stuart, Stuart Lancaster, I'd had a good chat with him about it. Um and uh John Fogarty then in, in Ireland camp as well and Paulie, uh, Paul O'Connell chatted to me about it as well, was um was trying to d- demand getting carries more. Um one thing I remember playing with with uh, Sean O'Brien, you mentioned him there, and you'd be like ready to to get a carry and you kind of almost cut in front of you to get a carry. <laughs> um, but that would but that's but he he'd
2: be running in front of Johnny Sexton at times. Yeah. <laughs> But
1: he was, he was so good at it; no one could complain. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. But that's—it's great. So it was a mindset thing. So it's great you did seek people yeah, out then. Yeah, but like one thing I used to do was like if if it's me and say let's say it's me and Sean O'Brien there and we're both running up to the rock, I'd happily go. I'll just go to to inside him and he'll carry because he's a better carrier, mm-hmm. and then I'll and then I'll clean the rock and I'd be happy kind of doing that. Um. But yeah one thing was kind of said to me this year and, and Stuart he used to play seven himself um, was saying that he needs to, he wanted to see me maybe demanding the ball a bit more um, and I think that's something that's that's definitely helped because um, you can find yourself going through games where you're just hitting rooks, as I said but um, there's obviously time there's times where where it's not it's not the right option and it is good to to let other guys carry, but it's something I need to I, I've been trying to add into my game anyway.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one because you were saying, like you know, the job of an open side. There's so many facets to it. You know, you have to be like you know, good over the ball, breakdown. You know, post threat defensively. You now, you, you know, you have to be very strong. I know you put up like huge tackle numbers regularly. Also, the carrying piece as well. Like, you know, when you go into a game, does it depend on the opposition which of say the three you're trying to prioritize? Is it just a natural flow. You find yourself in certain positions, like even selecting which rooks to hit, which rooks to, you know to try to carry. Like that. That seems to be. A lot of kind of things to process. So, like you know, maybe we think it happens naturally, but I'm sure there's a lot more, you know, top processing going on on the field that maybe we might give a credit for.
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes like even this season, suppose I've had so much like there be games where it's such a focus on the carry that then you'd be looking back at the game and you'd be like, I actually didn't make any like dominant tackles or so. It it can be tricky to to get the balance between the two, I guess. but uh, yeah, I mean, I try and try and be as best as I can in in each area. But then, yeah, I suppose doing my mental prep anyway. I try and I try and imagine myself doing a few a few hits or practice them during the week, and then do a bit of with Hugh Hogan in in Leinster. I do a bit of uh, a bit of poach practice every every week and and a few tackles, and then you kind of build you kind of build it up, build it up that way, and then. Um, when I get to the game, then I mean, the, the aim is to just try and relax. And I'm barely not even, not even thinking of anything. It should just happen instead. I just play with my instincts. Then basically be kind of that's, that's the ideal situation rather than having to think about things on the field. You just, you see a tackle and you've just, you've got it programmed in you already that you can, can do what you need to do. Mm. That makes sense.
0: And you mentioned Paul O'Connell there, and maybe getting a little bit of advice from him. He seemed to have such a big impact in the Six Nations in such a short space of time. Obviously, such a, a Irish rugby legend coming into the setup is always going to give a bit of a, a sort of a boost. But uh, like, what did he bring to the table besides kind of his aura? Because everyone seems to be raving about him. That the forwards immediately seem to you know hit hit a new level under him.
1: Yeah, he's been brilliant. Um... I think he's running obviously doing the forwards, uh, the role he doing the rock and breakdown and then um the lineouts and then general forward play as well. Um I think we'll chatting to the lads who uh who, who had played with him, they said he's said he was always even when when he was playing, uh he was a very influential character. Um, and we'll kind of be helping and coaching people along as well, even when he was playing. Um so apparently he's he's kind of continued that and uh yeah i find him great i think his attention to detail is uh is incredible and then i mean he, even for me personally um was able to have a good few chats with him around where i could improve and and he was also what i find very helpful is he's he's also very uh he's very positive so he, he wouldn't just be all um what you need to work on but also I think this is great keep keep up what you're doing here or and then maybe you could add this in and that kind of thing. So I find them absolutely brilliant and I think in the, the way the forwards performed in the Six Nations probably probably showed that as well. And does it give a boost just having Paul O'Connell in and around the place?
0: Just that you know the aura element of it as well.
1: Yeah I mean he's a he's an uh a hero to so many so many of the lads who are who are playing there. I'm sure a lot of lads would there be a few of uh, the older guys in there who would have would have played alongside them and um, probably be f- uh, friends with him, but um for me anyway, I would have watched them when I was younger, watching them playing, and it's incredible to to be learning from someone like that as well hmm.
0: and wouldn't that be interesting to get your your so your memories on now, just to go back, I suppose in time a little bit. It's funny like to think of your international debut. What a, what a cauldron to make it in Twickenham in the Six Nations after Ireland, I think had failed to win their first two matches and a lot of pressure on the team. You get brought in at open side flanker. Like what are your memories of that week? Like when you found when you got the knob, when you found out the news, were you were you terrified? Were you excited? Were you like what well, can you take us back?
1: Yeah, gosh, it was a incredible mix of everything really. Um incredibly, incredibly nervous. <laughs> I remember being very, very nervous. Uh very nervous and also very excited as well like it was obviously an incre- incredible incredible honor you kind of um, looking back now it's it can be you could have said oh I might have had an Irish cap coming but I mean at the time it was like you never you just don't know will I ever play for Ireland um this kind of thing and then all of a sudden it's it's happening and you're you've been called up and you're and you're starting in Twickenham so it was pretty uh it was I think I'd played i played in the Aviva before, but um this was like international eighty thousand people um playing against England. um so it was pretty it's pretty terrifying. I think it was the most nervous I've ever been for anything. Um, so yeah, I remember uh, but then once the games and you kind of you build it up in your head as well because people would say, oh, if like European Cup is like eighty percent tough, this is like twenty percent harder than. The European Cup and I was like oh I remember <laughs> that to me during the week and I was like I find European Cups so tough I don't know how <laughs> this. Uh, once the, once the kick off, I remember once the ball was kicked off you just kind of forget you kind of forget what's what's happening almost and you're just in the game and you're trying to do do your job then so you remember the first 10 minutes uh I remember the kickoff and I actually can't, I don't know if I can't remember. Everyone says I had the
2: same thing. I remember only that I had one absolute fluff kick for, imagine that (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, only for that. That's the only other thing I remember the first time it was like, yeah, it's the, it's, it just goes along at It's it's really hard to describe to people because of all the emotion and the buildup, as you say, like, and you know, it is building up for a while as people try to get tickets off you. There's all this kind of, you know, are you going to, are you in, are you out? You got, probably might have some media to do that week, all your preparation, all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden you're on the pitch and it's like, you know, even if it's the, it could be the slowest game for the supporter, yeah. it flies along. You can't, it's hard to describe to people who haven't been out there actually, I think. Yeah, but,
1: definitely. Um, like even you were asking me there to remember the first 10 minutes. I can, my memories, I remember the anthems and everything. And I can remember a few things in the second half. I can remember the second half, but honestly, First half is <laughs> It's also so big, though. I actually don't think I can remember much. To be honest.
0: <laughs> well, well, Luke, your debut was against the Pacific Islands in, a, in November the national, like tricking them six nations. To be fair, like a bit of a step up. <laughs> well,
2: what we're on, we're on the same team here. You know what I mean? It's not like what, Anyway, what uh, look? It, it's the same for everyone though, because I think, like, regardless of that, it's. You know, something that you're trying to build, like what, what age are you playing rugby when you're in uh, mini rugby in Wicklow? Um, I was five, five, yeah. So, like, you're you're since you're five, I was the same in Cork Con. You know, it's like it's the one thing you've always wanted to do since you picked up a rugby ball is to play for Ireland. Um, and I think then it, it all just kind of you know, it, it takes so long to get to that point, and then all of a sudden you're there, you're singing the Irish, you know, the, the Irish anthem, and then. There's a kickoff, as you say, and it's just boom. It's and like then you're playing a game as you say, you're kind of in the moment of the game, but you're kind of surviving your first test. Like most people are surviving, it's not like John Alomu, like most of the people are just surviving their first test. Yeah, and yeah, you're just trying to get through it, not make too many mistakes, and get picked for the next one, and you can kind of start to enjoy it then. But it just goes along in a blur because you know, as you say, there is a difference and there is a step up between that and Heineken Cup because it's the best player on each team. In the hiding Cup, is it, you know, they're, they're playing that position. I might have a few guys on the team, like leinster might have, or extra or whoever, but generally speaking, it's all the best of the best in each club. um So the levels do go up, and even the the, the caliber of athlete and skills are all really, really high. So it's, yeah, I mean, and the, the stats do show that. I think, do you, do you still come, you might notice, Josh, do you still cover like five or 10 meters more uh, a minute or something like that in international rugby?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I suppose it. I find with the, with some games, like when you play Australia, New Zealand, those games are, the stats are, uh, yeah, yeah. The stats are mad on those, but you can get, mostly, yeah, mostly you cover more, but then you would get the odd game that's just way more physical than any other game you'd ever play at international level. And mm. then, but it can be slower, but then you've got, if it's slower, the physicality is, is up, um, up a up notch from anything else and then if it's if it's not that physical then you, you can be sure it's pretty quick
2: and did you find in the 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 step up in the caliber of athlete at international rugby particularly I, I always it's great to get a back row around because you guys are just in the heat of the action in terms of you know the physicality side but also you probably come across a few of the centers who might have good footwork and stuff and maybe a winger or two if there's moves in tight how do you find the step up in, in the caliber of the athletes at international is this do you, do, have you noticed that or does it make it harder or what are your thoughts on that
1: um yeah i mean even i suppose like as you said like if you come across a center like I find myself on the edge and you're one on one um you have to be so aware of um of who you're playing against i guess like uh, one thing joe schmidt would have would have driven a lot was like knowing knowing your opposite, opposition and stuff and um, i remember like being one-on-one with uh the Ben Smith they kicked mm-hmm. back to the backfield and like I normally I'd back myself to be okay I'd, I'd person either side of me and I was like just kind of chop your feet and try and uh try stay close to him you get a scrag tackle at, at worst and he like ran tried to run on my outside then and I stepped across and he just clean stepped me and I fell over mm-hmm. like this sort of thing which which is uh you just have that incredible quality individual quality if you. If you uh, if you don't make if you make a, a soft tackle like against France, I had a uh, during Six Nations, I had a tackle. It was a fi- it was a fine tackle. I wasn't didn't smash him back, but I kind of hit him sideways. But it didn't hit him as hard as maybe I I should have. And uh, I think it was Jalabert, maybe, and he threw an offload, and then they made a line break. And it's just it happens happens so quickly when you have that quality of players.
0: And in terms of, you know, what's the highest standard of match you think you've played in in terms of the game you played in when you you thought, well, this is really another level. I've never experienced, you know, this kind of rugby from both sides in terms of how difficult it was or, or anything like that.
1: I'd say any, I've played New Zealand maybe three times now. I'd say they'd be, uh, they'd be up there. I think the quarterfinal of the World Cup when we played them, uh, the last World Cup, I think we, we didn't, we didn't play that well defensively and stuff so we kind of allowed them to play and show how good they were and then you were kind of like these lads are these guys are really good (laughs) (laughs) these guys are good Um, exactly but I suppose the other when you get it right if you give them the chance if you give them a chance if you give them space um, that's what I found playing New Zealand anyway and Australia as well you give them any uh, you give them any sort of space or gap and they'll take it whereas if you can keep the defence nice and tight and you're putting pressure on them it can be manageable but then you can't afford to give them that one that one uh, little into the game and then they're, they're just too too good for for mistakes I guess and if you are looking at so it's that top level the Lions tour obviously this summer I'm
0: sure you were very disappointed that they have to get the nod like we were you hopeful And I don't know if you watched the announcement? Were you hopeful? You were probably one of those players who were, you know, had a probably a, a coin flip 50-50 chance of getting in. And unfortunately the back row was very competitive. Like what, what was that experience like? Obviously, some teammates got the nod as well.
1: Yeah, um, it's a strange uh, strange, strange experience. All right. Um, yeah, I watched it, watched it at home here. Um it's, 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 a, it's a mad Shaluki, you'd know uh, what it's like on the on the good side of it as well. Um But yeah, I was obviously, I was hopeful. Um, Felt like I'd, I had a chance anyway. Um, Obviously, like everyone kind of backs themselves. So I'm sure everyone kind of thinks, like even the last time I was like, oh, maybe there's a chance, but I hadn't played. Um, I hadn't played much. I think I'd missed all the Six Nations, apart from one game with injury and stuff. So, Um, but yeah, I felt I was maybe in with a chance, but um, yeah, it was, it was, disappointing but also it was great to see i mean the likes of jack conan in the back row um you get a good buzz off seeing seeing the lads your mates getting getting picked as well so um it was good in that way but then obviously it was kind of beforehand i was like oh, i don't even know whether i should get excited i don't actually don't know if i stand a chance and then as it's going along you're like i couldn't imagine <laughs> imagine, imagine imagine i get picked so yeah you're you're so
2: right though josh as well like i mean everyone who's playing at the level and particularly how well you played you know in that english match um you know what i mean and that that extra game you so uh, surely in the back of your mind you just as you say you always back yourself, don't you like no matter i I could say anyone who's playing international rugby would be thinking yeah i've got a shot here um how do you pick yourself back up after it you know are you a guy who you know do you take it what do you take a day or two and just say right look let's you know regather let's rethink about a new goal or um you know uh, what's your kind of method for dealing with something like
1: that um well in theory anyway i try and um i try and just focus on on maybe on maybe improving and stuff but then it i suppose the hard thing about the lions is it's it's four years again for the next it's not like you're like oh i didn't get picked uh i've been dropped here and i'm didn't get picked i'm gonna work really hard i'm gonna get myself back in for the next game it's like it's a long it's a long way away but i think i i felt this season anyway that this would be kind of my mindset is that i've done or i felt i've done pretty much everything i can to play as well as i could and um try and improve as much as i could and then I Suppose if that's not enough, at least I can be happy that I gave it a good shot. I guess, um, like if I've been if I hadn't if I hadn't been trying and I haven't really been given my all in games and uh wasn't really making much of an effort and stuff, then you could be that's not a good good place to be. Whereas, at least I feel maybe if i if I put the effort in anyway, at least I can be some way satisfied that I gave it a shot. So that would kind of be my my mentality, and then definitely in the back of my mind it does drive me on to try try and get better and have you gotten any texts about standby lists or anything like that uh no i haven't heard anything about that yet so um you never know but uh, yeah i don't know how all that works to be honest but
2: not gonna holiday down in south africa (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) well it is funny because i mean look i think you know it's such a competitive area but I suppose you probably become so used to that. I mean, I think, you know, from, from my time in Leinster, and you were a young book then, you're one of the more seasoned campaigners now. What are you, 28, is it? Yeah, yeah. 28. Um, yeah, I mean, you've, there's so much competition there. Obviously, Will Connors is out for, for the end of the season. We had him on earlier in the in the year. Um, he's playing very well as well. You've got Scott Penny, obviously, the tri-scoring machine. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just generally throughout your whole me. period there, it's been incredibly competitive. So I suppose you're probably used to that. But how do you deal with, you said, just, it's, I'm probably touching on that point about you saying you've been happy for your mates. Is that your mentality in Leinster when you're, you know, say there's a big game and you, and you don't get picked or an Irish team and you don't get one of, your, one of the lads gets in. What's the mentality then? How do you, because it's never personal between guys. Everyone knows that. Um, But how do you stay positive? How do you stay focused? And, you know, as you say, probably be happy that they're in the team but at the same time go well i need to be there too how do you do that
1: yeah it is tough like even do you will, wait
2: for the next training session to go i'm gonna settle a
1: score here Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we have like even with will uh this year like we were kind of he played a couple of games in six stations and i played a couple of games um and it'd be like, like we get on really well he's one of my good mates but then you could uh you would get someone shoulders you in the back and you look, you look up <laughs> and it's him and then sure you'll know, return, it's you return, you return <laughs> the favor to him and then you laugh about it afterwards. It's a bit of a healthy competition, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it is, it is, uh, it is tough. Like it's one of those ones you're like, um, uh, I remember when Will was, uh, was getting his first cap last year and uh, I was like, they, they had like a video up on the screen for, with his parents and stuff. Cause obviously they couldn't be there. Um, and I was incredibly, just incredibly delighted for him. Cause I know him and how hard he's worked. He's had a few injuries and stuff, but then on the other side of it, you have to watch the game then. And you're like, I would love nothing more than to be playing in this game. So it's, it's definitely very mixed, but as you said, it's, it's very competitive and, Definitely, uh, I'd want to be in that starting position every week, but it obviously doesn't always work out like that. But it, it can definitely be hard at times.
0: Yeah. Do you keep an eye on how the other guys are performing? Like, would you, if you're not playing, are you looking at the flankers really intensely, or do you just try to focus on your own game?
1: Uh, as hard as you try, and you, like you try and watch the game uh, just normally, but of course you're always kind of looking at maybe what. Uh, what That's another
2: back- soak tackle.
1: Sending that into Leo. No. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, I mean you you try not to, but you you obviously you're kind of you're looking at your competition, seeing what they're doing. Um like even I mean, you've seen the way Will uh Will tackles and um the way Scott picks and goes and scores tries and that kind of thing. Um how dynamic he is around on the floor as well. Uh, it, it really it pushes you on, I guess, when you're watching someone performing that well. Um, it, it really it puts you to another level. So I suppose it's good and it's, uh, it, it's healthy in that way, I guess. And, and just uh, to wrap things up, and really thanks for having you on, I it was, it's funny, it's not
0: often, I suppose, playing against the Dragons is one that all the guys want to be involved in, but with fans coming back to the RDS next week, it's probably one everyone would love to be running out in front of fans for the end of the season
1: after being such a long absence with, with people in the grounds. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's going to be someone. Someone asked me actually uh, yesterday. They were like, "Oh, will it be? Uh, will it feel a bit more like normal with the with the crowd there um, next week?" I was like, to be honest, the idea of having a crowd is so strange at this stage. Like, it's nearly, <laughs> been, uh, it's nearly been a year, year and a half since I played in front of a crowd. It's <laughs> so, so really, loud in here. Yeah. Um, Can you keep it down? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's. Uh, I mean, it'll be it'll be strange, but yeah, so so exciting to to finally have have a bit of a crowd back, and and very very excited to hopefully hopefully get a go in that game but uh, we've Glasgow first up so that'll be the focus and then everyone will be very very keen to play play against uh, against Dragons then none more than my dad he's He's asking me every week (laughs) surely someone's getting into the ground like like, (laughs) something there's got to be a way of getting in and I was like (laughs) so he'll be one of the I'm sure he'll be trying to get in anyway
0: yeah well best of luck for the rest of the season Josh really appreciate you joining us
1: thanks very much
0: That's all we have time for this week on The Left Wing. We'll be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening, and goodbye.